Before we get started, we wanted to take a minute to ask for your help. I personally am so grateful for the Ascension Press team in producing this podcast and making it available to thousands of people across the world. Since 2014, Ascension has been creating free Catholic YouTube videos, podcasts like this one, All Things Catholic, and articles to help people like you discover the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. Ascension releases 18 free videos and podcasts every week and has reached millions of people with the message of God's love. While this content is free to consume, it's not free to make. So to help offset the increasing costs of production, we're asking for financial support to continue bringing this life-changing content to people who are searching for Christ. So if you or someone you know have personally benefited from Ascension's work, please consider financially supporting this podcast. Any amount is truly appreciated and will go toward things like the Ascension Presents YouTube channel, the Bible in the Year, and the All Things Catholic podcast. So to make a gift, please visit ascensionpress.com support or click the link in the description. Again, that's ascensionpress.com support. And whether you're able to support us financially or not, please keep us and the entire Ascension team in your prayers. Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. For many people, the last six weeks of the year, that sweep from Thanksgiving to New Year's is an exciting time filled with family and friends and celebrations. There's a lot to look forward to. But if we're honest, for some of us, we might be coming into this season a little tired, a little overwhelmed. Maybe the stresses of the year have been adding up and we're just carrying a weight in our hearts, a certain burden as we walk into this season. We can feel a little overwhelmed about all that's going to happen in the next several weeks. Well, this is one of the reasons I really love that the church gives us this great season of Advent. It's a great time for us at this time of year to to help us to refocus, to refuel, to to receive, to most of all receive what God wants to do in our hearts this season. Did you know that there are special graces that God gives us at every Advent season? But sadly, so many Catholics don't live Advent. They live what I like to call the month of December. In other words, they live like everybody else in the secular age. If someone looked at your life in the next several weeks here in the month of December, would they know you were Catholic? If they just looked at the way you live day to day, would they see anything different about you? So many Catholics are just busy running around. They're going to the mall. They're going to the post office. They're getting the house ready. They're packing, getting ready for travel. And, and those things aren't bad in themselves. The Sri family is going to do a number of those things in the coming weeks. But we want to be careful that those outside pressures of the month of December don't crowd out what God wants to do on the inside in our souls. So this Advent, I want to invite you to go deeper, but I want to be clear, I don't want you to just follow some program or I don't want you just to look up and find 12 and a half ways to live Advent better. No, no. I want to go deeper. I want to talk about the disposition of your heart. Is your heart ready to receive? Are you longing to receive? Are you longing for God to fill you in new ways? That's one of the great graces of the season of Advent. And that's what we're going to take a look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and I want to give a shout out 
to the many Catholics in the South. I was at the Marian and Eucharistic Congress in Greenville, South Carolina a few weeks ago and met so many people from Alabama to the Carolinas to Georgia and so many people full of great faith there in the South. And it was a particular joy for me because South Carolina was a state I had never been to. In fact, it was the last state I had it visited. I've been to all 49 other states. I even got Alaska and Hawaii many years ago, but I have never been to South Carolina. So South Carolina was my 50th state. I finally got all 50 states, and thank you, South Carolina, for having me. It was a wonderful blessing being there. I'm also just back from the Holy Land. I was just leading my Holy Land pilgrimage, walking in the footsteps of Jesus and Mary, and it was such a joy to finally be back. I, I realize how much I've been taking it for granted, I think, to, to go lead pilgrimages each year to the land of Jesus, and I haven't been able to do it since 2020. Uh, in fact, my, I had a pilgrimage scheduled to go in March of 2020, right before all the borders closed, <laughs> so, right, right after all the borders closed. So wasn't able to go then and had to cancel a number of trips, and it was finally a great joy to go there. And it was just like normal. It was amazing. There were no restrictions. Uh, you didn't have to wear masks. They didn't ask for any vaccination cards. It was just like everything was back to normal again. Uh, there weren't as many tourists and, and pilgrims as there had been in years past, but places were crowded. There were many groups from of different parts of the world I saw there, and it, it was great to see pilgrims coming back there. So if you ever want to learn more about my pilgrimages, you can sign up for the emails that I, I give where I, I announce the pilgrimages. That's the only way I really let people know about them is if you're on my email list. And you can go to my website, edwards3.com slash pilgrimages. And right there, you'll be able to sign up, uh, request information about future pilgrimage to Holy Land or to Rome and other places as well. So speaking of the Holy Land, you know, just being there this last week, it, it was just amazing to walk in the places of Jesus around the Sea of Galilee uh, to be at the temple in Jerusalem, to touch the stone of Calvary. But one of the things I like to do with the pilgrims is to bring them into the mindset, the, the culture of the first century Jews, the world of Jesus. You know, a lot of us, we don't, we don't really know what that world was like. And so I love to bring people into their world, what they, their life was like, what they were going through. I like to open up for them the various sufferings that they experienced under Roman rule, the hopes that they had based on their prophets and the biblical Old Testament promises and what their expectations were about the coming of the Messiah. And it's so fun to, to bring people when you're right there on the Sea of Galilee where Jesus is calling his disciples and to bring the pilgrims into that first century Jewish mindset. It, it just makes the gospel stories come alive. You realize what Jesus was saying and what he was doing and, and how it was just really speaking to the hearts and the hopes of the people of his day. But that's what the season of Advent is actually really all about. I don't know if you know that. Advent's very much about entering into those hopes of the ancient Israelites, the ancient Jews. You know, we have these four candles at Advent. I always like to mention this. Why do we have four candles on the Advent wreath in our churches and in our homes? Well, everyone says, well, because there's four weeks of Advent, and that's true. But why are there four weeks of Advent? There could have been seven, there could have been 10, there could have been 12. Those are good biblical numbers. Why four? Four isn't as prominent of a biblical number as three, seven, 10, 12. <laughs> well, why four weeks of Advent? Because as some theologians in years past have commented, those four weeks of Advent recall the 4,000 years 
of biblical salvation history. 4,000 years of Israel longing for the Messiah. 4,000 years of humanity longing for a Savior. And the church gives us these four weeks so that we can enter into that longing, that yearning for God to come into their lives. And we want to do it as Christians today. We want to remember that need we have for a Savior. Are you yearning for Jesus to come more into your heart? Are are you longing, deeply desiring Jesus to come and to help you, to save you, to rescue you in some way? I I think throughout the year, we, we just get so busy, we forget how much we really need the Lord. We're just so busy running around, and we think we're really self-sufficient. I got to have my plan. I got my planner. I got my schedule. I got my to-do list, and I'm, I'm, I've got this money. I've got these resources. I'm doing all these things. We think we're very self-sufficient, and surely if, if you, you got a quiz from your priest, and, and, the, and the quiz question asked, do you need God, you, you'd say yes, but I think sometimes we're just so busy with life, we forget how much we need Him, how much we really need a Savior. I need the Savior to come in right now and save me right now, to save me from myself, to save me from my troubles, to save me from my fears, to save me from my attachments, to save me from my lack of trust in, in the Father. I, I need a Savior. You know, if, if there was a, a, a cure that came out for some rare form of cancer and you heard about it in the news, it was there on CNN and... PBS and Fox News, and everyone's talking about, oh, there's this new cure for this rare form of cancer. And you heard about it, and you'd probably go, oh, hey, that, you know, that's good news. You know, you'd, you'd be grateful. But if you had that rare form of cancer, and then you heard that news, that there was a cure for it, that good news is really good news for you. It, it, that, it's not just good news for the world. It's, it's a, a good news that's very personal that there's something that's going to save you, something that's going to directly impact your life. And I, I think the season of Advent is, it's, is a great time for us to realize how much we need a cure, how much we need a physician, how much we need Jesus to come into our lives. Do, do I realize how much I really need him? Now, when I was in Israel this last week, I was sharing with the pilgrims about the situation in the first century Jewish world. We talked about different things. I remember just a few days ago, I was sitting on the southern steps of the temple, or right there at the very steps that are still there, that Jesus would have walked up and down, and Mary and Joseph would have gone up and down when they brought Jesus there. And uh, you can actually go up and you can touch some of the stones, the, the foundation stones of the temple that were there in Jesus's time. It's amazing to come in contact with this place that Jesus visited right there. <laughs> he, he walked on these very steps. It's, it's very moving. And if you see the temple in Jerusalem, it's, it's magnificent. If you've ever been there, it's the foundation. If you look at how big that temple space is, that temple mount, it's massive. As one New Testament scholar says, Jerusalem is not a city with a temple. <laughs> Jerusalem is a temple with a city around it. <laughs> it's so big. And yet, as magnificent as it was, and it really was known as one of the wonders of the world as Herod expanded it and glorified it in many ways, from a Jewish perspective, fell short of what it was meant to be. Because there was something that was missing in the temple. It was empty. The temple didn't have 
the glory of the Lord shining in it. You may recall in the Old Testament scriptures that God's presence was made manifest in the form of a cloud. Do you remember the story of the Exodus where God is leading the people through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? That pillar of fire, that pillar of cloud was the visible manifestation of God's very holy presence. And that glory cloud filled the the tabernacle, that portable sanctuary that the Israelites built and hovered over the Ark of the Covenant. And then when Solomon, King Solomon built the temple. You can read about this in 1 Kings chapter 7 and 8. He dedicates the temple and the glory of the Lord fills the temple. And this, this is what made the temple so important. It's what made it so holy. That's why they called it the Holy of Holies, that innermost sanctuary of the temple. It's because that's where the glory of the Lord had dwelt, his very presence. But around 586 BC, you know, about six centuries before Christ, The Israelites had fallen into great sin. They'd been worshiping idols and killing their own children and killing uh, killing people. It was just it was it was a horrific culture of of death that had entered in, led by some of the wicked kings of Israel. And God kept calling the people to repent. They didn't, and so God sent a foreign nation, Babylon, to come destroy this place. But before it was destroyed, the glory of the Lord left the temple. The glory of the Lord departed from it. And so when the Jews were carried off to Babylon, they were made slaves. They eventually came back. They rebuilt their temple in the early 500s AD. But the temple was not as big, not as glorious. And most significantly, the Jews knew that the glory of the Lord wasn't there, that the temple was empty. And so when I was there with the pilgrims, we were standing on the southern steps of the temple just a few days ago. And I told them about this, about how this was a magnificent place and it was still the center of worship for the Jews, but something was missing. It was a barren temple. The glory of the Lord was no longer there inside the Holy of Holies. The Jews were longing for God to come again. They were longing for God to come and enter into the temple, to dwell among them. In fact, one of the great prophecies about the coming of the Messiah it's a famous prophecy we celebrate in Advent. It comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that talks about how a virgin will conceive and bear a son. And the son's going to be given a very special name that would have great meaning for those Jews. Emmanuel, God with us. The Jews were longing for God to be with their people again, for God to fill the temple, to fill the Holy of Holies with his presence. They were longing for Emmanuel, God with us. Here's my practical question for you. Do you have areas of your life that you feel are empty? Do you have areas of your life that you're longing for God to fill? You know, maybe it's your family life. Your family life isn't going as well as you'd like. There's some dynamics that are off, things that aren't where you want them to be. Do you long? for God to fill those spaces in your family life. Pray for that. Beg him for that this Advent. Emmanuel, come. God be with us. Be with our family. Maybe there's a certain relationship you're in that's strained. You know, a certain family relationship. Maybe it's with a coworker, with your boss, with someone at the parish, with your pastor. Are you longing for God to come fill that relationship? to heal it. Tell the Lord, 
Lord, I, I've got this strained relationship with one of my kids. Lord, there's things going on in my marriage that we're just not clicking like we used to. Lord, I long you to come and fill this space, fill this relationship, heal this relationship. Emmanuel, God with us, please come. Maybe a prayer life. Maybe you just are feeling really dry in your prayer life. Maybe you're not praying as consistently because you just feel like you're not getting that much out of prayer. You feel God is distant. You feel like you're just kind of showing up at prayer. This Advent season, express to the Lord your desire. Tell him, Lord, I, I long for you to be with me again. I, I don't sense your presence. I wonder where you are in prayer. Emmanuel, God with us, please come. You see what we're talking about here, my friends, aren't just like little practical, simple things, which are, are good to do, by the way. I hope that you will have certain sacrifices that you'll make this Advent season. We should all give up something every Advent. We also should do some extra devotions, maybe more time for prayer, reading scripture, reading a good spiritual book. We should always have those little pious practices in our Advent devotions. But this year, I'm inviting you to go deeper into those dispositions of your heart. You know, one other area that we could think about in terms of the first century Jews and what they were going through and how it applies to Advent and, and their longings 2,000 years ago, how they relate to our longings today. I want to talk about just the land where they lived. You know, they were given the promised land and we think about that's amazing. They're living in Jerusalem and the land of Israel, the, around the Sea of Galilee. And, you know, they've got this land, but they did possess that land for a long time but they were eventually dispossessed from that land. In that period I mentioned earlier, in 586 BC, when they were taken off to Babylon, they lost the land. And then eventually they were able to come back to the land. They come back to Jerusalem, rebuild the city, rebuild the temple, as I mentioned. But what a lot of people don't realize is, even though they're back living in that land, they don't possess the land. They don't have control over the land. They're foreign nations that are ruling over them. You've got the Babylonians and then the Persians and then the Greeks. And then in the time of Jesus, it's the Romans. The Jews in the first century are dwelling in their promised land, the land that God gave them, but they don't have control over it. They don't rule that land. They're like slaves in their own land, in a sense. They're oppressed by foreign oppressors, Rome, Pilate, Herod. And there's heavy taxes, there's suffering. So they're dwelling in the land but they just don't have control over it. They have outside forces ruling over them. I think that's a great analogy here because they were longing to be free. They were longing to possess the land again, not just live in it under foreign rule, but to possess it. They were longing to have control over it, to rule it, to, to receive the blessings of the land and not have to give all of their taxes to Caesar and to Herod. Here's my question for you, a great application. You see, the Jews knew the prophecies. They knew that the Messiah would come, and they knew that they would have some kind of liberation. They would, they would have freedom. But the freedom the Messiah came to offer Jesus was a deeper freedom from a deeper enemy, not just Pilate and Herod, but the enemy of sin, the enemy, the devil. So here's my question for you. What areas in your life this season right now are you noticing you don't have control over? You don't have self-possession. You know, maybe you're, you're too attached to food. 
You just have to eat certain kinds of food all the time. Expensive foods, nice fine drinks, or you just have to eat all the time. Building in a little fasting in the Advent season could be helpful so I can gain greater self-control. God wants me to have self-possession, not just live in my body, but to have control over it more, to live by my intellect. What I see is true, and my, my will can freely choose what's good, but not be a slave to my passions, to my desires, to my appetites for food and drink. Maybe it's guarding my eyes. I don't have control over keeping chastity of my eyes, purity in my eyes. I take too many glances looking at women, looking at screens, and, and I just need to stop. I need to look at the, the women in my life in, at their eyes, at their faces, and not their bodies. I need to turn away and not look at those things on the screen. Maybe I, I just don't have self-control in that area, and, and God's inviting me this Advent season to go after that. Maybe I'm just too attached to my devices. You know, I, I, I'm just so attached to my phone. I'm always pulling out my phone constantly throughout the day, and I don't have self-control. I tell myself, I got, I got these three things I got to get done. I got to get done at work. I got to get these three things done in the next hour. I got to get these three things done for my family in the next hour. But with my phone, there's all these buzzes, and there's all these notifications, and there's all these beeps, and all these images come up, and I click on one thing, and I go to the next, and I go to the next, and I just don't have self-control. I can't get what I need to done for the sake of my organization I'm working for, for the sake of my family, or for just what I want to do. I don't have self-control. I'm being led by big tech and, and it's constant interventions to get me to keep clicking and clicking and clicking. And I don't have control. Maybe this Advent, I, I want to have greater self-possession and not be so manipulated by my phone. Or maybe I struggle with anger. I don't have control over anger. I easily lose my temper. When somebody, you know, opposes what I want, or when somebody's not behaving in my home the way I want them to, uh, and I can't manage it, I can't control it, I get, I get angry. Maybe God this Advent is inviting me to have greater self-control there. The Jews didn't have control over their land, but that's a, a, an analogy for how God wants us to have control over our own hearts, over our own lives. Maybe I, I struggle with discouragement. I just get so easily discouraged. I get easily blue. I get these negative thoughts, and I go in this melancholic downward spiral. I need to stop. That's not befitting of a Christian. A Christian always has hope that no matter what's happening, God can use it for good. God is in control in the end. He's going to take care of me in the end. Do I really have that hope in my heavenly father, because when I fall into discouragement, it's a lack of trust in my father saying, Father, I don't trust you. And so maybe this Advent, Jesus is inviting me to have greater self-possession and, and not fall into the sin of discouragement so much. Do you see how, I, I think my friends, I, again, I, I want to really encourage you. I've done podcasts in years past at the beginning of Advent about the practical things to do. And I, I don't want you to forget those. Every one of us must do some kind of sacrifice in Lent, some act of mortification. Give up chocolate, give up your favorite drink, give up you know, your favorite show, something. We should all give up something. 
And we should all have some devotion where we give a little more. Maybe it's an act of service for a spouse or a family member. Maybe it's an act of kindness. Maybe it's reading scripture. Maybe it's going to the Adoration Chapel, going to daily mass more. Whatever it is, we, we do some kind of devotion and some kind of sacrifice. That's, that's the basics, the ABCs of what we should do in this season of Advent. But this season, I'm inviting us to go deeper to those dispositions of the heart. Let's turn and ask the Lord, Lord, we want you to come, Emmanuel, be with me. I want to grow in these areas where I don't have control. Help me, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's awaken in our hearts this desire for the Savior to come into our souls more. We need a Savior. Let's be more aware of how much we need Him. Jesus, I need you. I need you in these areas. Help me to be more aware. Never let me fall into the lie that I'm self-sufficient, that everything's okay. Never, never let me be distracted from the most important need I have, which is for you. Never let me fall into the lie of self-reliance, that I have to rely on myself to, to be happy, to take care of my life. Help me to depend more on you in this Advent season. Help me to be aware of how much I need you, like those ancient Israelites cried out for you to come. Come, our Savior. Come, Emmanuel. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Thanks for listening, my friends. May you have a blessed Advent season. And you can always find me Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or on my website at edwardsfree.com. That's edwardsri.com.